On a tropical deserted beach, two lovers quarrel and a coconut becomes a milky implement of death. Abandoned to the tide, the victim scratches three lines into a seashell. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No. It's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, episodes 8, all the way to episode 11. The pretty boy detective, he appears at last. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and I've recently discovered that having a podcast where you talk about anime murder mysteries does not on its own qualify you for a private investigator's license in the state of Pennsylvania. Today is going to be a really monumental episode. It's the first time we really are tackling one of these big story arcs where this one murder mystery is going to play out over the course of four episodes. We also have an audience email to answer. If you want to send us in questions or comments, you can send that to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. We've got our new mystery guest with us as well. A lot of stuff in a really good way. We'll spoil the ending. So if you want to find out for yourself who done it, go watch the anime first. We'll be there when you get back. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, who thinks I don't know about the month he spent literally trapped inside Final Fantasy XIV. Mike, how did you end up escaping from inside of the game? Noah, you know I'm still there. I I meant literally. I haven't left. (laughs) But you're no longer physically trapped inside of it. No, this is just a copy that was created to uh, keep you from knowing that I'm still there. Oh man, that's some Digimon nonsense right there. (laughs) Okay, what have you got for us today, Mike? Uh, well, since this is an a, an anime podcast, uh, without going into too great of detail, since it does come up a little bit, I thought uh, it would be good to just real quick go over how like Japanese writing and language works. Yeah, we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, so essentially there's three alphabets, or there, there's two phonetic alphabets, hiragana, which is the most typical writing in Japanese character set, there's ka- uh, katakana, uh, same number of characters, all different, but it covers the same sounds. It's just used for foreign words. So they're both kind of what we would think of as an alphabet in terms of each character links to a sound. Right. Uh, except unlike uh, a Roman alphabet, there's no no reuse of the letters. They all, they all make the exact same sound every time you see them. Right. It's very phonetic. Uh, and then the third is kanji. There's about 2,000 of them in popular use, but probably something like 50,000. Uh, in total, that many of which aren't really used popularly. Uh, but these are all like the, you think of like the Chinese characters. Uh, they all have a set meaning to them, but they can be pronounced many different ways, especially in Japanese, depending on whether they're like the prefix of the word, the suffix of the word. And when you get into people's names, forget about it. Uh, but basically, and we'll see that a little bit this episode, a character might get confused about what a word means when they hear it. Uh, because if you don't see the kanji, it could mean... Several have several right. Excuse me, interpretations. So yeah, well, we'll talk about that as it comes up for sure. Thank you, Mike. Now, our guest this episode, I'm excited to have him on. He is the podcaster behind Ninja Boy Media. He hosts five plus podcasts, including the Yet Another Anime Podcast. He's also a big movie fan and Magic the Gathering player. And one time, he solved the mystery of how to make good carbonara. I've cracked the case. It's Paolo Batista. Hey, Noah. Hey, Michael. And you also forgot to mention I was your college classmate. Oh, yeah. I didn't mention that. That's part of the mystery. (laughs) Fair enough. 
Noah likes to downplay that he knows all of our guests personally. I'm working on changing that. Don't you worry. Oh, no. Well, this is actually a step in the right direction because this is someone that only I knew. That's true. And not both of us. But Paolo, really excited to have you here. Um, you got your anime podcast where I know you were covering some of the anime that was airing this spring. How much anime do you watch? Yeah, so, you know, I just finished up uh, at the time of recording my summer, uh, well, my spring recap season. So for context, I think that was something like, there were like something like 30 shows, I think, coming out that season. And then I think I nailed it down to like 19. I would, you know, get past the first episode. And then by the end, you know, I, I think I nailed it down to like about 15 or so. But then about another five ended up, you know, getting delayed due to the, the pandemic. So by the end of the season, I ended up watching 10 shows in total. Um, if you go by on my anime list, uh, I just actually filled it out for the show. Um, I'm somewhere in the neighborhood of like 500 shows I've at least touched. Um, or shows and movies. Um, about... 350 of those I've completed. Um, this is over like 10-ish years or so. So it's it's been a long time. So I think you said that you had watched 10 animes from this most recent season. Yeah, from the from the spring 2020 season. Yeah, so summer, I'm in the process of watching the first episode of every show that's coming out. Um, and then obviously going to be catching up on all the shows that got delayed due to the pandemic. Isn't it great like how much having a podcast can motivate you to do something like that? I'm not saying you wouldn't watch the first episode of every a new anime coming out. Um, oh no, I doing a podcast. I, I definitely would not week. I would not be watching the first episode of every anime that would coming out. There's definitely a lot of shows that are not in my wheelhouse. Like I'm definitely not one for idol shows or um, you know, like harems harem shows in general i i generally don't watch that much often you know sometimes if it's, it's a if it's a secondary genre i will but um yeah i i'm definitely more a hot-blooded shonen battle anime guy give me a good tournament arc any day yeah i'm also pretty uh judgmental when it comes to even just the thumbnail or a brief trailer uh, to decide yeah. if i have anything to care about a, a, an upcoming anime if it's like oh no too many tits i can't watch this it's well, just <laughs> well michael you you could listen to the Yet Another Anime podcast and get Paolo's recommendations. Oh my god, what a great idea. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, just just to talk about like the Yet Another Anime podcast, I'm Yet Another Anime podcast host, you know, it's kind of, there are so many anime YouTube channels and podcasts out there that like, kind of self-deprecating, like who wants to listen to me, you know, talk about whatever, but I figured, like you said, you know, it's a good way for me to keep track of like what I'm doing. Like some of my other podcasts, like I have a podcast about Magic the Gathering, which I play and, you know, about movies where I'll watch all the films of one director and like kind of do a analysis on what they do called filmography and focus. Like those are things to motivate me to, you know, keep watching in, and keep engaging the media that I enjoy, but kind of doing it in a more thoughtful manner rather than, you know, I want to actively engage in the media I enjoy versus just passively consuming it. And that that's exactly the place I find myself in because uh, Mike knows that I just recently purchased three Japanese uh, murder mystery detective novels, which are really like just in the last five years starting to be translated into English, which is pretty exciting. Uh, so Paolo, you told us all about the anime you watch. I'm curious about mystery stuff. So this can go beyond anime, really to anything, books, TV, podcasts, video games, the mysteries... Yeah. What, what's your deal? So, I mean, in, in terms of mysteries in general, I, for example, like on one of my podcasts, I watched all of Bong Joon-ho's works and all of uh, David Fincher's works for a couple of episodes. And those had some like, you know, good mystery stuff in there. In general, I don't think it's it, like what you normally think of as a mystery genre. I don't think it's, it's something that I normally consume. That being said, you know, I was thinking about it in preparation for this podcast. And 
if you think about it, like I can, you can. It is probably super reductionist, but you could probably argue that most anime, to some degree, are mystery anime, right? Even battle series like Hunter Hunter. Um, and and you know, my thesis for this is basically, you know, a mystery is basically a discrepancy in information where you have, you know, there's some no, there's some information which either the reader or and or the uh, protagonist or character does not know that information, and their goal is to figure out that information. So you know, in Hunter Hunter, for example, they have, uh, you know, they have the crazy powers in, from Nen that they have going on, and oftentimes a lot of the battles are trying to figure out what is the power, how, what are the rules of the powers, and how can they figure that out. Basically, yeah. I mean, I actually I can double down on that. Hunter Hunter gives me exactly the same vibe as when they ex- describe like uh, a trick used uh, in a detective anime. This they show a flashy power and then they spend two episodes explaining all the weird things they did to make that power. And how many <laughs> animes? How many animes have you watched where there's a traitor in their midst? Oh yeah, have to figure for out sure. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, like Attack on Titan, for example, right? Like that's you know generally themed as like an action adventure, but there's also definitely like a thriller. Uh, there's like a thriller mystery element to it, or Full Metal Alchemist, you know, is is the same way. Yeah, there was a point when uh, this podcast was going to be Dying Message, the mystery anime mystery podcast, which uh, says mystery twice. But I'm that kind yeah. of person. <laughs> but uh, but I think that's why I changed it to detective is it's yeah. just slightly more specific about what we're into and what yeah. we're after. So so I was thinking like how do I define like what a detective you know to get more specific detective anime is and you know I was there's this great YouTube channel about you know uh, uh, called Just Right which did an episode on uh, the movie Knives Out which came out last year and it kind of laid out you know based it. yeah based on the John Truby you. Know, book the anatomy of story that there are you know there's some there's a structure to a detective anime which i think you guys might find useful so like a detective anime think the classic agatha christie or maybe even you know encyclopedia brown you know uh, hardy boys nancy drew type situation um or you know i remember in middle school there was this one book called the westing game which i really loved i had to ask my sister what that was called in, in any case i the, the the structure is there's an introduction right and then there's some crime usually a murder that happens and then the protagonist, who is a detective investigative type, does their investigation. And then there's, you know, some epiphany they have. And then the last bit is them explaining what happened, right? So that's probably yeah. the general structure, as opposed to, say, a crime, you know. And again, I'm, I'm taking this from Just Right, so, you know, not claiming this is my own idea. But they take <laughs> they take a, a crime novel, for example, call it, say, Death Note, for example, right? You could think that that's a, de- a detective, but it's really more a crime, uh, a crime series. It's- it's not building up to the detective get, gathering all the suspects in a room and revealing this. Well, it kind of is, but you also see the other half of it the mm. whole time. So the the other part I think that's important is is that you know there has to be some set rules to the world that you know it can be there can be if there are supernatural elements, um, then those have to be kind of clearly defined what is and isn't possible. It's not really fair to the audience. It's like oh yeah, it was totally a ghost that did it the whole time. That's like beyond the realm of what you would expect, right? Scooby-Doo, for example, is a good example for this, right? Like, early Scooby-Doo was, like, it was definitely always a man in a suit, right? And then, you know, eventually on, they go to, like, you know, Zombie Island, and then, like, oh, there's actually supernatural elements that can, like, be a part of the actual resolution of the mystery, right? I've never met a more reluctant werewolf. (laughs) Whoosh! (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We're going to watch all these movies. Probably. uh, For our Scooby-Doo podcast. Where are you? Does not exist. Okay, we already have four episodes to get through, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Now, have you watched any detective anime? How much have you seen? Detective specifically, honestly, it's, it's not something that's usually in my wheelhouse. 
Um, yeah. I have read the manga, some of the manga for a series called QED. Um, that's kind of similar. Um, Psychopaths, uh, which is, I don't know if that's strictly like a detective series. You know, detective series that, that you know, the clues are present and you can figure it out down the line, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think that's really something that I've done, that, that I've done super often, um, to be honest. General, you know, mystery stuff that's much more in the mystery genre, like not just my, my bullshit, like everything is a mystery. Um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, Promised Neverland's pretty good. Erased, um, I've watched, um, you know, uh, Bakano and Durara. I don't know if you consider those mysteries, but those are, you know, definitely some great, some great series as well. So I've seen, I've seen Bakano and I've seen Durara. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we also watched The Promised Neverland together, and we started Erased. So we have context for all of those. Um, the one I'd most highly recommend, I don't know mm-hmm. if this is true for you as well, is we really loved The Promised Neverland. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's driving off of so much cliffhanger energy. Yes. Uh, as a manga reader, I will say this up to a certain point where it kind of goes a little bit off the rails. Um, but up until that point, it's an amazing series. Especially the first, the first season of the anime, I definitely loved so yeah. much. Oh my gosh, a, ma- a long-running manga that sets big expectations at the beginning goes <laughs> off the rails? It, it, it's my model for the podcast. At some point, we're going to go off the rails, keep tuning in, who knows what will happen. So let's let's move in, because, yeah, we have a lot to cover, we're gonna and have, I'm pretty excited to cover it. Yeah, we're going to have to exercise a little more brevity than we normally do. Well, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Except when it's, um, except when it's fun not to. Great. Let's get everybody up to speed... So, Mike, I'm going to name a character, and you're going to really quick tell people just a little bit about the character so they know who it is. Great. Q. Uh, Precocious young boy who's only good at mysteries. Main character. Megu. Uh, Pink-haired girl, uh, sexually harassed a lot, has a photographic memory. Sigh. Kinta. Uh, He's only good at hitting things. He's also Brock. He is Brock. (laughs) He is Brock. Brock. (laughs) Uh, Who's Cosma? Uh, Only good at programming and being rich. Saburo Maru? Uh, only good at being annoying. The end. Katagari Shido. Uh, she is the assistant to the principal of the school. And yeah. She wears glasses. She wears glasses. Glasses lady. Don Morihiko. Don Morihiko uh, is the founder of DDS, the Don Detective School. And he's a wheelchair bound detective teaching kids to succeed him. And time. Great. Great. Um, we'll meet a bunch of new characters throughout, including finally the fifth main character who's featured in the opening this whole time, but we... Have caught little glimpses of him, but never met. Gasp, the mysterious Bishonen? Yes, that mysterious Bishonen. So, before we just dive into the plot, Paolo, you've watched, I already forgot the number of anime. How did this opening song and, you know, the opening animation read for you? Yeah, I mean, they were, they were pretty good enough. So, like, fun story, actually. There was, um, when, so I'm, I'm, I'm Filipino, and then, like, my, my, my siblings and I go back, you know, every couple of years. And then there was this one summer when my siblings went back, but I didn't go back, actually. Um, and then they would come back and they kept on singing this song, which ended up being Detective School Q's second ending song, Merry Go Round, um, which I had like, I was like so confused about what the show was. But apparently in the Philippines, they saw anime on TV and they saw it endlessly, you know, every day, repeat like, and so they, that was just all they could watch because most of the anime was dubbed in Filipino. So. Oh, now I wonder if I've heard this because I've repeatedly run into a, an, a Japanese song called Merry Go Round while like looking for merry-go-round the song it's a song from one of the uh mobile suit gundam unicorn movies maybe it's like goes like na 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 merry-go-round something like that that's what my sister how my sister sings it yeah well now i'm excited to find out when we get there something to look forward to 
And now let's start talking. So there's four episodes here. The first episode is episode eight, and the title is The Pretty Boy Detective, He Appears at Last. Boy, is there a lot of exposition throughout this episode to get us all up to speed. Yep. So the setup here is that uh, Class Q is going to tag along to Class A. They're going on a trip to the scene of an unsolved crime in order to go on some kind of school trip. And who, oh boy, I promise not to harp on this because we're trying to save time. <laughs> Please uh, harp. But I hate, I hate Megu's outfit here. Uh, she wears a different outfit later. It's a little better, not really, but I really hate her clothes, and that's all I'll say about it. Yeah, they all kind of changed out of their standard outfits. It's the extracurricular training camp. I guess it's like a classic high school anime trope, right, of, of doing like a special training camp. It's usually in sports anime you see, see this, but I guess for detective academies, which seems just as ridiculous as like a dueling academy. In any, in any case, um, yeah, it seems kind of weird that, okay, let's go find the mystery, which I have questions, but we'll get to those. Yeah. Please ask those questions. There are there are many questions that need to be asked here. In all good time. I have notes. So as they're boarding the boat, uh, Saburomaru comes and is kind of laughing at them. And the reason I bring this up is because he always gets this like weird slapstick thing. And as the boat is pulling away, he jumps onto it and just smacks like pancakes into the side of the boat. It reminds me of something like Weevil or Rex from the Yu-Gi-Oh anime. Right, it's like totally unrealistic, totally anime, and uh, totally fun. And yeah, he's a great character. I love him. So we're all going to meet a bunch of new Class A characters, and our Class Q characters, the main characters, are all in this. They're all in their school. They're all divided into different classes. The main characters are, of course, in Class Q, like the name of the show, Detective Academy Q. But they're interested, and they go and they like spy on the new characters. Uh, Cosmo starts by pulling up the resumes on the computer, and I was like, how does how does he have internet out here? Yeah, it's 2003, right? He doesn't very shortly afterwards, but right. that was my question, too. Right, the question is answered, because once they land on the island, he, he loses it. Yes, but basically he does the early 2000s version of Facebook stalking them. Yeah, and then about halfway through the introduction of the characters, one of them spots them and brings them in, and, and so the first two characters get introduced by snooping, and the second two characters get introduced by just introducing themselves. So let's talk about these four new characters. Great. The first one is Goda Kyosuke, the Puzzle King. He loves his Rubik's Cube. Except he takes way too long to solve. Like, I saw the animation of how they had the cube drawn. It's like, okay, he's taking, like, seven seconds way too long to solve it from that state, basically. So, yeah, I noticed he was holding a puzzle cube. He had a striped sweater and glasses on. There's always characters with glasses. Of course. The second one is Shishido Takeshi, who has... There's nothing super notable about him. He solved four murders. He's wearing just a blazer and a turtleneck. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. None of these characters are particularly notable, but continue. Well, but the other three <laughs> have characteristics, and his is just, he's a detective. They're all detectives. Yeah, but it's like he was a detective before he learned to be a detective. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, we have the one female member of Class A, Yukihina Sakurako, who is a novelist. Kind of reminds me of Cosmo, who has published a best-selling mystery game despite being an elementary schooler. She's published best-selling mystery novels despite being a high schooler. And these things happen all the time. Yep. And and she tells us that uh, she really wants to be a detective. Writing is just her hobby. Oh. The fourth one is Shiramane Hayato, who's a magician. Does does anybody remember the trick he did when he introduced himself? It was something with the rose, I think, where like he he breaks the rose and then he melds it, fixes it back together. Yeah, completely unimpressive. Yeah. Yeah, classic, classic. Yeah. My main note here is that I feel like these four people and their one special attribute are just Noah's soul fractured into four pieces. (laughs) I can't do magic tricks to save my life. But you wish you could. Maybe it's okay. No, you can just be tuxedo mask instead with a rose. That's another good use of a rose. 
Uh, I mean, my Animal Crossing character was running around for weeks with a rose in his mouth. You, he was. Speaking of Tuxedo Mask, next we meet upon the, the bow of the ship, our mysterious Bishonen boy just standing there in the wind looking moody. Oh yeah, it's a very moody introduction. And really, really not too much happens in his introduction, although, except for like the sad violin playing and the wind just perfectly just blowing through his hair. His perfect hair. Titanic vibes. Yeah. But uh, there's some wordplay here that he tells us about Kirisaki Island. Yeah, I, I always like kind of, you know, I, I don't speak Japanese, but I always, you know, I, I realize there's always going to be some sort of, uh, um, you know, loss at reading subtitles, even though I, I still prefer subtitles over dubs. Fight, don't at me. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I really appreciate at, at the very least when, when series do something like this, when they have, you know, puns in, in the names. Um, like a recent example from an anime is uh, Kakushigoto, which is like a an anime about a dad who tries to keep his writing job a Kakushigoto secret from his daughter, and Kakushigoto is also the word for secret. Oh, that's that's really telling. It's interesting because I knew it in, in the back of my brain. I I had an association with Kirisaki meaning something violent. Here, basically, Q asks if it means like to cut with a sword, which is one possible meaning of those of that pronunciation. And uh, according to Ryu, it actually refers to uh, blossoms in the mist because this island is always shrouded in mist. Which actually is very unimportant. And the first definition of Kurosaki that he rejects is much more relevant to the episode. It is. So what's the whole point? I think it's meant for like, you know, I think the school, this, the anime is kind of geared toward younger kids uh, yeah. or whatever, like, you know, wistful from it. So I think like, oh, it's like a funny gag that like, you know, kids would, would laugh at. Totally. And wordplay is funny, right? It's like a pun. It's the highest form of humor. And like I said, you know, with Japanese, there's such a high potential for it because of the way characters work. So if you're not seeing the word written down, there's a strong chance you might not know what it means if you don't have context for it. Yeah. So there's one thing I want to mention about them getting off the ship. Megu has a weird reaction when she notices Ryu. And she met, she talks about it later. It doesn't come into play in these four episodes, so I wonder if this is something they're planning for the further future. But she is like... Do I recognize him from somewhere? But she has photographic memory, so if she had seen him before, she would remember him. Mm-hmm. The mystery de- oh. deepens. Oh, I have a theory now. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it away. You're don't worry about it, away. everyone. So this is something I think you don't need to think about for this episode, but it is something that they they're kind of planning throughout this episode. That that seems to be something for further plot arcs. Oh, I wish I could tell you all what's going on in my brain right now. But Why don't you, Michael? Oh no, no, no! If it's right, it's too spoilery. <laughs> <laughs> It's fair game if you guess it. So they get to the building that they're going to be staying in. It's an old asylum built between the war, like huge, lots of different pieces to it. And um, they they start to kind of look through the building just a little bit. There's paintings of three detectives inside on the wall. And this bothers me a little bit because I get recognizing Sherlock Holmes, but the other two are pretty generic white men with beards and suits. How are you going to recognize them as famous detectives if it's not labeled? And even more so, like, right, like, this is, like, why would there randomly be pictures of detectives on the wall for, you know, this random asylum, right? Like, that seems a little bit too convenient, especially given the the being, I guess, I guess maybe I'm a little too genre savvy. Like, okay, that's a little bit too meta here. Well, they have turned it into a training camp for their detective academy of some kind. One thing we can expect with, if you go to a detective school where you're learning about mysteries... And you go on a school trip. Someone gonna be murdered. Someone's gonna be murdered. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. 
Um, we get some other clues for later on when they go to look in the kitchen. It's full of food. Mego seems a rat. The rats are everywhere. We see them over and over again. Oh, and also one thing that is, stood out in the kitchen is they open a drawer of knives, and those knives glint, and I'm like, those are going to be relevant. I didn't notice that, actually. Oh, yeah, they shined like the morning sun. Yeah, I, I will say, I guess, like, one of the things I like to do on, on the yet another anime podcast is look into anime production, right? And so I'll look at, you know, different studios and how they make things, and kind of knowing the amount of work that goes into making an anime. It's not like, you know, and I guess that, that suits the detective genre where whatever cuts, you know, that or anything they happen to focus on, it's like filmmaking, right? Everything is crafted. Everything has a purpose. So if, if there is focus on a specific cut, um, you know, unless it's a red herring, you know, that's there for a specific reason. Thinking back on it now, the whole reason they seem to have to go into the kitchen at this point is because Megu uses her photographic memory later to remember it. So she had to see what it was like before because they don't really do much in there. Then we meet another character who I imagine will be around for a while. This is a new teacher at the school that we just haven't met yet. I'm sad because the other teacher who's not here is a master of disguise and hilarious. He pokes his head in for a second, but that's in a little bit. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. And then, um, but this guy is named Maki Shintaro and he's the, he's support staff for the retreat. He's the medical examiner at the academy. Because every academy has a medical examiner. Well, they have a whole room. At, we saw in the fourth episode when they toured the school where they uh, practice determining time of death on yeah. these lifelike corpse dolls. Yeah, it's a pretty ridiculous school. So now we learn what the point is. Why are they all here? They're at a site of an unsolved murder to solve the case and tell them what happened. This is what Don tells them. And then he connects it to the story of Jack the Ripper, or as he's known in Japanese, uh, Kirisaki Jack. The name of the island. The name of the island. So here I have a question, right? So are they, is is this like, I, I don't know if they ever made this clear. Maybe I'm, I'm just like ignorant and didn't pick up on this, but it's like, okay, we know what happened. We need, we're basically giving you like an escape room type challenge to like solve this. Or is it like, oh yeah, like no one's been able to solve this, but hey, maybe these random students will be able to solve it. Is that like the whole situation going on? Well, so the premise is that they're there to, to quote unquote, solve uh, an unsolved mystery. Obviously, if they're going to evaluate them on it and it's a training camp, if this is the premise, they must know the answer. Yeah. This sort of thing came up in the second episode, too, when they're like, these are photos of a real crime scene. Here are fake suspects from that crime scene. There's like a there's a logical disconnect on a show that's based on logic. Uh, and, and I think you're both exactly right that, like, how can they, if they don't know how it was actually done, how can they grade them? doesn't quite make total sense right and i will say like the use of jack the ripper in anime and manga is actually pretty interesting right like yeah he appeared in soul eater as a series and then there's this manga i'm reading called sumatsu no valkyrie which is like gods versus you know the top humans and then spoilers i guess jack the ripper is chosen as one of the humans to fight against the gods i just read the most recent chapters with him and there's a very interesting version of jack the ripper in fate apocrypha which is jack the ripper is apparently like a 12-year-old girl who wears almost no pants. Oh, God. That's I, all I'm going to say about that. Fate is something that I will maybe get into at some point, but only once they've actually confirmed it's all going to be completed, which means it's never going to be completed because it makes too much money. So, yeah, they tell us the whole story of Jack the Ripper. Um, it's not really that important. Basically, he dismembered his victims. And during the war, there was a criminal here who did something similar, uh, dismembered three victims and left them behind a locked room. And they go up to see the locked room, and there's this really cool shot where it kind of pulls out through the two locked doors in this setup. 
Yes, they CG'd up this part and then reused it a whole bunch. Very Fincher-esque. And Ryu comments that they can't leave the island because the storm is going on, which is very convenient. And this is where it's like, okay, like it's veering more into like the, the supernatural element to a certain degree. It feels like it is at least. Like, or is, is the ghost of the de- of the old Jack the Ripper going to come back and haunt them or something like that? And also one other point here, uh, the key uh, for this this weird room on top of the building uh-huh. has gone missing. It's a very unique key, so they have to have it replaced. And this is where our, our d- disguise teacher pops in for like a microsecond. Oh, he comes to deliver. Because they do this very bizarre thing where it's too stormy for a boat, so they fly a helicopter. Let's not talk yeah. about how expensive helicopter fuel no, is. No, let's not talk they about They fly that. a helicopter to the island... Uh, they've got the key in a styrofoam box. And they just drop it off. The disguise teacher throws it out the window and goes away. It was a lot of effort to get them this key. It's a very expensive thing. So that night, overnight, uh, there are strange things that happen. One thing that happens is that key goes missing. There, Another thing that happens is someone takes a knife to the picture of Sherlock Holmes and slices it straight down the middle. Shock, the shiny knives are missing. Uh, and next day, Megum notices that all the knives are gone and they find the one in there. So now they go up to look at the closed room. And we get this whole story about the prisoners and there was a, there were 10 of them that ended up stranded on the island, but there was only a boat for seven of them. So someone started to murder the prisoners until three were killed. Now they can fit on the boat. Yes. Great. And they were British POWs. They were British prisoners war, yeah. There was a whole Jack the Ripper copycat thing going on because they're from the place where that comes from. Did they ever clarify if the Jack the Ripper murderer was ever caught? Did he escape with the other six after leaving the three behind? We're to believe that at the time it was an unsolved mystery. Right, so so he presumably escaped with them. Okay. Uh, So they go up the roof to look at the storeroom. So you mentioned... Paolo, manga, and I was thinking about how there's all these diagrams that come up in the anime, and in um, the book I just read, Murder in the Crooked House, there's a bunch of diagrams as well, and it, it works really well when you're reading a book and can flip back to it. It's a little harder in anime. It's even harder in a podcast where you're describing an anime. Yeah, I've, I've run into that before. We'll post it. We'll post the diagram. Yeah, surely. Um, so there's a diagram of the storeroom, but basically it's a, it's, you go into one half of the storeroom and then there's another door that opens into the second half of the storeroom. The first room is full with boxes. The second room is empty. It's where the body was found. And there's a single, a single window, uh, but you can't go out it because it goes over a sheer cliff. And that window is not important. Um, they only mention it to rule it out ever. Right. So they go in, they go in, they go in, and when they get into the second room where the body was found all those years ago, they find the body of Saburo Maru cut well, in half. Well, they find half the body. Okay, they find half the body. Okay, so oh, like, no. one, time out, like, one, did no one m- notice that Sabamaru was missing when they went up to the thing in the first place? It was like, oh, there was only, like, I guess, what, five and five plus the two, so 12 of us on this island. Wait, there's one of us missing. Shouldn't we maybe, I don't know, go check in his bed or see where he is before we go up here? Like, is he just going to be marked absent or something? It's not like there's a ton of people. But also, also nobody likes him, so it's fine. It's a good point. Nobody seemed to notice he was missing. Uh, but now we find it's his body is horizontally sliced, just like the photograph. And whenever they show these mutilated bodies, they always do it in negative. Yeah, so they do a lot like of things negative. to go around censorship in Japan, including like changing the color of things. Mm. Uh, there's all there's kind of a meme in anime right now where vomit 
is always rainbow and sparkly because they used like sparkly effects to stand yeah. in for uh, vomit and it just sort of grew over time into something silly they do. So they do things like that yeah. for censorship. But this is our nice cliffhanger at the end of the first episode. We're we're running through this. Um, now, each of these episodes, like the, I think all but one of the episodes before it, has a post-credit scene or gag. Paolo, did you stick around? I actually did not. I just skipped to the next episode. It's fine. You didn't miss anything. That's right? pretty natural to do. We'll let's tell you about the. We'll tell you about these gags. Yep. Um, so at the end of the first episode, I think Q is walking around at night, and then like Saburomaro's ghost floats by with a candle. Yep, it's a Saburomaro's ghost. It's not important. <laughs> it's clearly you know nothing that actually happened. This brings us to episode nine, the second of four episodes. We're doing it. We're doing it. Showdown: The Cutthroat Who Crossed Through Time. I love these Wikipedia translated titles. There, I, there aren't official English titles for this anime, so all the titles I ever give are just the ones I found on Wikipedia, which I assume is a Wikipedia person uh, translating them. Um, they go. It starts exactly where we left off. So we're looking at half of Saburo Maru's body, and they comment that it's exactly the case, same setup setup as the Jack the Ripper murder case. There's a little bit of a subplot that's established here with Megu. She's kind of getting sick at the sight of how gross the scene is and is worried that she won't be able to be a detective. Right, because she's got a photographic memory, so she's going to keep every single grisly murder scene in her brain forever. Yeah, that, that, that's got to suck. The other two important things are their rats are running around, and they find the key in the corner of the locked room with the body by a grate. So, like, as far as you could really get it from the outside to get it into the, this place where they found the key. And they're like, all right, we're going to clear so the medical examiner can come in and examine the body. And so we go to the classroom where Kazuma is working on what I call his nonsense trick-finding software. Right. <laughs> I love this software. Uh, it's so stupid. It's basically a hand-wavy dupe like machina, basically. Yes. Well, it's also partially they're trying to show us that each of these characters solves mysteries in a different way. Okay, which then bring, which then brings up a question. Okay, if if Megu does it through a photographic memory, and then Q does it through deduction skills, and Cosma does it through his computer, what the hell does Kinta do to solve? Like have muscle, basically. So he punches things, and he's weirdly lucky. No, he he has another skill we'll get to later on, which I'm adding to the list. In one of the earlier episodes, they called him the Eagle Eye because uh, Paolo he has twenty twenty vision. Despite having squinty eyes, but okay. <laughs> he saw something from far away in, like, the third episode that no one would found, and they were like, you're the eagle eye, and it's never come up again. I guess that reminds me of, like, I guess the uh, Sherlock Holmes type situation, right? Where Sherlock Holmes will be like, hmm, interesting, and that's that, and it turns out, oh, there happened to be dirt on there that matches the exact profile from this particular neighborhood or whatever. Oh, yeah, we there's a lot of that, and... People having specialized knowledge of the thing that they just specifically need to have knowledge of. It's great. I love it. So Cosma is using, we talked about this because Cosma's using his detective software. And it, it sounds like he just types in all of the things about the murder and it tells him what trick was used. Yeah, I would sure. I would like that for work, please. It's pretty nice. Um, there's also some stuff here like Class A and Class Q are starting to, to get on each other's throats. Um, and Ryu has this very dramatic bit where he's like, the next victim could be anyone. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. The teachers come back to report kind of what's going on. Uh, they're stranded on the island because of the storm, and they give everybody a chance to kind of back out. They're like, we've created a place, 
on this island where you will be safe from murders. And if you want to go there, you can go there now. Which, like, again, time out, right? Like, if you're a teacher, right, and then you have, like, a kid literally murdered on a school trip, you think they'd be a little bit more concerned about the liability of what's going on at the school, you think? I mean, honestly, this isn't the most danger that God has put them in. Welcome welcome to Child Endangerment Academy. Yeah. Um, But it is nice he gives them a choice this time. Class A all steps up, and then Class Q follows as well. They're, now they're really in that investigative portion, Paolo, like you mentioned. There's been a murder, so now they've got to go and look for the clues. Yep, our first stop is the kitchen, and the kitchen is fucked. Yeah, Megu seems to be noticing something. Um, she'll talk about it in a second. Cosmo finds a weight and takes us on a wild goose chase with the weight because he decided that he knows how the trick was done. Yes, and he spends both a lot of our personal viewer time and a more dramatic... Uh, portion of the character's time. A half hour, I think. Yes, failing to actually deduce how this is solved. But his basic premise is they used a kitchen weight and they put it in there and like threaded the thread through it and then dragged the key in and then dragged the weight back. It's a whole thing and it never works. Right, there's two main problems. The first problem is that it takes him 30 minutes to get the key even close to where it's supposed to be and it's not far enough in. The second problem is that... Um, it takes too many attempts. It like, takes he fails a bunch. There's no hole in the key, so he can't use the string to, to pull it through, basically. Yeah, that's the big problem. Which, right. you, you think, you think like, before they'd wasted a half hour doing so, someone would have pointed that out to him. <laughs> right? I think the main point of why we go through all this is that it shows us that the room isn't entirely closed off. So outside of the storeroom, there's a little mouse hole, and it's the size of a mouse can get through the key on string can get through and then the second locked door inside has a gap underneath that a mouse or a key could pass yeah i think i think they said it was like seven centimeters or something and then there was also another kind of hint that came up it was ryu i believe who noticed that the coin you know uh when when kazuma dropped it you know rolled back toward him establishing there's a slight slant on the floor uh ryu notices that yeah so i'm I'm gonna say like time out here i my guess at this point was that they got the key because they found the key over grate so that's probably like a drainage grate gate my my theory at this point was that they somehow had like filled with with water maybe from the rain and then used that to basically you know uh, have the key float down to the uh, grate and settle on the grate I honestly at this point thought that there was a trick involving the string being threaded through the grate and they pulled it in that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But the key still doesn't have a hole in it. So they then get the autopsy which report, which is not super important. It establishes that he was killed in the middle of the night. There was a chainsaw that's missing that was used to cut him in half. And the second half of his body hasn't been found yet. Which, which that was a very clean cut for it. Freaking chainsaw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there wasn't a lot of blood. This show is usually tones down the amount of gore you would expect, so it's not unexpected that, like, it's much less bloody than it should be. The next thing that happens is this episode is not going to end without another murder. Nope. This one happens in the middle of the night. Q has a creepy dream about Ryu. They're really establishing the two of them as, like, friend- friendly rivals. Which, hold on, another time out here. So at this point, okay, you have, you know, supposedly a confirmed murder, right, going on. So either there is, yes. one, a crazy lunatic, right, on the island, which supposedly is abandoned. But, okay, maybe there's a crazy lunatic out there and they have to be careful. Or, you know, kind of 
again, being Donald Savvy, the murderer is one of them, right? So, okay, then do you really want to have people sleeping alone by themselves? You know, why don't you, you know, for the if they, you know, care about their students, you know, have them pair a bunk up together, right? Like have, you know, Kinta and Kazuma and then like, you know, Ryu and Q like sleep together, like sleep in the same room so they can keep an eye out for each other, right? And then if one of them dies, well, then you know who was the one who killed them. No one ever seems to do that. It's like you don't learn from your mistakes. Nope. So there's footprints outside, and the footprints go very cleanly up the stairs. Someone had knocked on his door and Kinta's door, and the two of them go into the room that it leads to. Wielding a mop weapon. Yes, when we say footprints, these are like your super clean, super printed on the floor, only appears in Scooby-Doo style footprints. As if they, they painted ink on them. They've got, they're just weird. So the, they open the door to the room. The window is opened. They find the stabbed and severed body of Takeshi, who was the murder the murder case solver, the one without a lot of interesting points interesting about him. points about him. So his like the top half of his body is vertical up on the bed, and the bottom half of his body is right next to the wall. And that's where our episode ends. And that's where the episode ends. Another great cliffhanger. So at this point, right, you know, one, rip class A, right, as they're going after them. Uh, but then, you know, that also throws a lot more suspicion on class A at this point because, you know, they would probably be one of the things for detectives, right, in addition, when, you ha- when you're solving detective mystery, you have to find, you know, the tools used, the, you know, ability and how they committed it, and then three, a motive, right? So the ones, who have, important. the ones who have the most motive at this point, you know, maybe it's not been revealed yet. Uh, maybe it'll be revealed in the future episodes. But my suspicions right now are on magic trick guy or mystery novel girl, right? So I don't know, like magic trick guy wants to do something, like maybe they insulted his magic tricks one too many time, or mystery girl like wants to, you know, use it to collect, you know, do something to like help the sales of her mystery books or whatever. Or maybe there's just beef within class A or something. But given that they are the the two right. who had like the most introduction given to them at in episode eight, they're the ones most in my radar at this point. I mean, everybody hated Saburo Maru. He's a jerk. It's true. Honestly, at this point, my suspicion fell on the medical examiner teacher because we've never seen him before. He barely did anything and he wears glasses. And, and he's the one who's saying this is how they were killed. The person I thought was most suspicious was uh, Yukihina because she was so nice. And whenever there's like a nice female character, ah. she goes yandere. Always the murderer. Well, I just thought we've had a lot of murderers with glasses. And yeah, he was like an adult, so I was like, it's him. Well, we'll find out how correct we we'll are. We'll find out. The post credits for this scene gave us hints, which actually uh, hinted me enough that I figured out the trick of the key. Yeah, same. So it's Ryu who is in the kitchen. And he's, like, rolling some dough together. And he's, like, feeding it to, to the rats. Yeah. And he says there's three hints. The hints are all there. The way the key rolled, the way the coin rolled, where the key was found, and the food missing from the kitchen, which I don't think we talked about. This is the closest we get to a next Conan's hint. Yeah. Uh, which is maybe, now that I think about it, what why they play with these end things. Because it's like, hey, Conan does this, so we're just going to be idiots. <laughs> yeah. At the, end, at the end of episodes of Detective Conan, he'll be like, Conan's hint, and he'll be like, the donut. I think we glossed over. Megu came back to the kitchen. She noticed that none, no food was missing except for some butter and flour. Yeah, and not enough to feed the whole person. This means we're moving into episode 10. We're halfway there. We're almost at the fun deduction part. Yes, we get a quick diagnosis on the, the most recent murder where yeah. he was stabbed to death, he bled out, and then he was cut in half. Well, I do want to comment on the title of the episode. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Episode 10, The Beautiful Boy Genius Exposing the Perfect Mystery Room. He's so beautiful. He's so, he's so beautiful, he's going to expose oh, the mystery room. I have such a theory now. Okay. 
And now they, they, they do ask why only people from Class A were killed, but nobody even kind of starts to think about what a motive was. Everyone does suspect Ryu because nobody really knows him. He's he's new. He's got blue hair. He's mysterious. Yeah, except he's in the he's in the opening credits, so you know it's not going to be him. And we get this weird scene where Don speaks to them all, and he's just like, one of you kids is the murderer! And I'm just like, wow. Way to help out, best principal ever. Also, way to, like, you know, literally, okay, like, have two of your classmates murdered in the space of 24 hours. It's like, okay, these guys are going to be, like, scarred for life, more or less. Oh, yeah, it's very uh, psychologically scarring. So then they they go, and then they basically, uh, Ryu goes and tries to and explains to them how the, the, the double door, cl- the double locked door situation was, was resolved. Yeah, people are saying, well, Ryu could have done it. He could have dropped the key there. When we got into the room, because he noticed it. So he's going to explain how the trick was done to, to exonerate himself. Yeah, which, again, also makes those more suspicion on him, because, like, oh, he's yes. the one who actually knows how to do it. I was going to say earlier, right, like, Class A is hella arrogant for people who aren't offering any solutions, right? They're like that, that those groupmates that you work with that are like, oh, yeah, no, this idea sucks, but then they don't, they don't give any, you know, actual, you know, useful solutions, well, presumably they're the top students at the school. We'll learn some more about that uh, at the very end when we learn the true meaning of Class Q. But, Paolo, I think you were going to fill us in on this trick. Yeah, so the trick is is, is basically, it's. It, I was a little bit off with my idea that they, they, he used water to float uh, the key down to the grate, you know, somehow. Um, essentially, the slant of the floor allowed for a ball made out of flour and uh, and butter to, to roll down and then fit underneath the door hole and settle on the grate, uh, which is the lowest point on the on the floor. Um, and then again, it's it's kind of hard to see in the you know blink and you miss it diagram of how the way the boxes are set up. Set up. But they do illustrate that you know the boxes are meant to never actually prevent um, the ball from getting stopped before it gets to the grate, basically. Right. It's like a little plinko setup. It's specifically designed so that the ball will roll through the door right. as it bounces off the crate. Right. And then the rats, you know, will come then and then eat the butter and flour, which is hinted at in the post credit scene in episode uh, nine, um, leaving the key where it was located, basically. This is the part I have the most umbrage with because there's no way, even if the, the rats, like, ate all this all this butter flour, like, there'd be residue on the key. Someone would be like, oh, this key is, it smells like butter and it's c- kind of greasy. I mean, like, I mean, I don't, they I don't licked like it clean. Compared to the completely unrealistic reaction of the uh, staff to having two of their students murdered and they're like, all right, we'll just carry on with this case or whatever instead of, you know, calling the police or, you know, all right, for the safety of our students, let's have everyone lock up, no quest, no, no dissidents allowed. Like, okay, like, I think the butter, butter ball is like a little bit more realistic than that. Yes. And I will say that, great, we've solved the, the butter ball mystery, but it doesn't really... It doesn't really lead in any way towards the murderer, so it's not that helpful overall as a solution. Just saying that really it could have been anyone, because we now know how the trick was done. So Cosmo puts data into his computer again. Well, well, before we get to that, we have this really weird moment between Q and Mew, where Q is like, whoa, this is really bad and terrible, but also I'm kind of excited because mysteries are fun. And Ryu is like, he does this super bizarre thing he like flicks his hair and there's sparkles in the air and he's like oh i just sometimes i just wish the mystery would get deeper it's so weird yeah also earlier like the wind on the roof was so strong they could barely be out there and now it's at just the right amount of intensity to make his hair just flow with the wind in that beautiful 
Bishonen way. Yes, it was so weird. Also, so weird. also, there's a line that I, that I love that was like, the next murder victim, it could be you, or it could be me. And we were like, okay, sir, Mr. Plot Armor showing up in the opening credits, it's totally going to be you, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> I would, I would, I would legitimately applaud this anime if they had the balls to just go and off their main characters, you know, nine or ten episodes in and have a completely different, you know, cast for the rest of the series. Well, that's what was surprising about Saburo Maru being killed is because he's in the opening credits. But although briefly, he's not he's not one of the five feature characters. And we're on episode 10. The opening goes away after 13 episodes. That's true. So that's true. He's, he's got an expiration date, potentially. So let's come back to Kazuma's computer program, which he's going to find out another trick by putting more stuff into it. The software tells him that footprints were part of the trick, the footprints that they found. But it doesn't tell him what the trick was. So it's useless. Yeah. Also, at this point, we get this very weird, we've had the fake Pink Panther theme come up a few times, but now we get treated to a new weird background song that's like a weird Adam's Family opening theme song almost in this scene. Yeah. I liked it. It was weird. (laughs) There was also the moment when like Kyo and Ryu like have the exact same reaction and I'm like, the sippers are going to have a field day with this. Oh, Oh, yeah. No, I wrote down the word bromance. They like look into each other's eyes and someone comments on it and Kyo blushes. That was way more than just a bromance, dude. Yeah. I mean, they're already being played off as like, they're almost like the same person to the point that their names are almost identical. So it's like, what's the weird energy you're going for here? And then the magician was peeking at them, and Kinta jumps on him. He tells them that well, he's missing. He throws this shit out of this pen. It sticks into the door. I'm like, <laughs> what is that pen made out of? What is that door made out of? But he, he could have taken somebody's eye. Yeah. And the, the Goda is missing. Goda was... Cube um, boy. The puzzle king. Yep. Cube yeah, boy. Cube boy. Uh, they go to the portraits, and now the third portrait has been mutilated. So the first portrait was slashed straight down the middle, like the way Sabramaru's body was found. The second one was cut in half at the torso, like the way the, the second body was found. And now the third portrait is slashed at the head and on both arms. Which is the point we realize, uh-oh. Oh, no. It's a hint. This is, there's been, there hasn't been a murder in this episode yet, and we're getting close to the end of it, so it's about time. They've spotted a light on somewhere in one of the buildings, in one of the windows. They all go running through the rain. Action running time. Oh my gosh, it is raining, raining, raining. Um, and they see a hand sticking out of the lit window that then falls inside. Rip cube boy. His, his hands are too slow to turn the cube. This is really interesting, because uh, Don asks Megu, Yukihina, and Maki to stay behind. But essentially because in the first act of actually being an adult with a bunch of kids, he's like, no photometric memory girl, don't come look at this probably disgusting body. Right, you'll remember it forever. But grade schooler with a computer, you're good to come up. Yep, come on up. (laughs) And uh, I noticed that Yukihina smiled, and it was like a very suspicious smile. It was very suspicious. That to me, I was like, I knew it. I knew knew it was her. (laughs) Um, And they run up the stairs. It takes like... 30 seconds to a minute for them all to figure out how to get upstairs. <laughs> There's a gag about it or something. And Don, this is another moment of, like, really terrible school leadership. He's like, Kinta, you're the muscular one. Why don't you go in there first? I'll pull out my gun and come in right behind you. Well, so come. one point to not miss is that coming out of the door are bloody footprints. Like, yes. Super perfect blo- footprints again, this time in blood. And but they're no, they're not tricked this time. 
Uh, they don't follow the footprints. Instead, they go into the room that footprints come out I of. I think there was also a hint uh, that, uh, what's her name, Glasses Woman had like a bandaged hand uh, that was like, that, there was a yes. cut focused on that. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that as well. So yeah, questionable approach, but they charge into the room. Another body shown in negative photographs. The head is uh, is upright on the bed. The body torso without the arms. Or no, it's, yeah, it's, it's it, just the... It's a torso and the legs. It's a torso without arms. Yeah. Yeah, is uh, is against one wall, and then the, the arms are against the other wall. And boy, uh, too bad for Godasan. Yep, and we cut away to the classroom, and finally, finally everyone is reacting like a child would what? actually react to this gruesome murder. They're all depressed and sad and terrified. This finally. Is- yeah, except you also realize that, like, oh, there could be another one. And then, except you're thinking, like, well, if this is mirroring Jack the Ripper from, you know, however many years ago that happened on this island, and he only murdered three people, then, okay, we should be scot-free at this point, right? We're right? good. Right? We're done. We're done. Yeah, but I did notice they're finally sad. Q has this moment of triumph. Uh, tr- triumph isn't the right word, but he, like, remotivates himself. He's like, you know what? I haven't been confident in myself that I could solve this, but I can do it. Yes. He takes the badge off of his notebook, pins it to himself. He's like, I can do this. I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to solve the mystery. And we get that line that he inherited from Don, which yes. is, uh, what is it? When a det- if a detective gives up, uh, then the case will never unsolved. be solved. Yeah. There, was, there was like a bit of a flashback to him being rescued as a child by some detectives, it looks like. We still don't know who that detective is. No, we still don't. Except it's probably not Don at this point, right? I don't know. Maybe it's Don. And then the five characters, because now with the addition of Ryu, I'll do a, like, hands-in, we're going to solve it together. Finally fulfilling the promise, this is episode 10 of the opening credits, where all five of them are clearly such good friends, like, hanging out on a field together. Yep. They've been united at last. Go, go, Power Rangers. (laughs) This was my favorite of the post credit scenes. Oh, yeah, this one was... Of course it was, because you love this silly magic. (laughs) So the magician character is seen, like, going after Yukihina with a knife, like, to cut her right down the middle, and he does it, but then he pulls them away. It's a classic, like, separating uh, Lady Sod in half magic trick, and they're in two separate boxes, and he's like, ta-da! I'm gonna say, for the record, since his introduction of this is the magic trick guy, only time him being a magic trick guy has been relevant. True, yes. At all. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see these characters again, but maybe not. Maybe not, who knows? Which I mean, magic, right, is a whole is all about, like, redirecting, you know, attention, basically. This brings us to episode 11, the final deciding match, the truth about Q class. Okay, this is going to be a slightly longer podcast episode that we have had so far. There's no avoiding it. But you've been listening this far. You've got to keep listening because most of this episode is just explaining all of those tricks and who done it. And uh, I'm sure we, the three of us have opinions on it and you will have opinions on it too. Yes. This is a deduction dense episode. It sure is. The did I Did I say the title of the episode out loud? Nope. Episode 11, the final deciding match, the truth about Q-Class. Right, which in the classic, you know, detective, you know, format that that we talked about at the top of the episode, this is the uh, epiphany slash explanation portion of the mystery. Exactly, and it's always the best part. I mean, this is is when I was younger and I would read the Encyclopedia Brown books, and then I would skip to the back to read the explanation on how they solved it. (laughs) Oh, no! That's not how you do that. That's a good way to do it. Um, so there's just a couple clues that they have to still discover at the beginning of the episode that will lead them to the solution. Kinta and Kazuma are looking at the portraits. Uh, as we said, they're all slashed to replicate the murders. 
But there's something weird about the height of the portraits. They're just a little bit low for portraits. Yeah, they're, they're just about uh, Cosma's height. And Cosma is a child. Yeah. If an adult was walking through the hall, they would be below their eye level. Maybe the murderers in the Oompa Loompa. <laughs> Next, Kinta finds a, uh, a handkerchief on the ground with a weird pattern on it. And he pulls out this, like, bloodhound talent that we didn't know he had. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, he tracks down the scent. Also, also something I didn't realize he had. He had the ability to open his eyes. Yes. In moments of clarity. Wow. <laughs> Meanwhile, Q, Ryu, and Megu. Oh, wow. That's fun. Yeah. Q, Ryu, and Megu. Yes. Are reviewing the footprints on the stairs. There's another underwear... Yes, Q pervs out for the 80th time right in front of his new boyfriend. <laughs> like, what the hell? Which, okay, I think I think the reason for this is because this is a, a series targeted toward, you know, young boys. I'm not saying this is like an excuse for it, but, you know, when you are like a young eighth, eighth grader kid, right? Like nothing would, you know, be funnier to you than being able to see a panty shot or whatever, right? I mean, you're talking to, you're talking you're talking to, to two, two homosexuals. Okay, yeah, so. fair enough. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's. I mean, you, there's a level of cultural difference yeah. here. Like, you wouldn't really see this in an American show. Right, cultural tangent aside. It matters because she knocks him in the face, which causes him to bend over and stare at the footprints on the stairs, which gives Q a, regu- uh, a revelation. And so they go and they solve the murder off screen. <laughs> That's right. But there's what there is another thing, which is they get to the door uh, where the third body was found, and it's locked. Right. The thing next to it is locked as well. They're trying to rem- so they're like, let's remember the crime scene, and they point out that Megu never got to see the crime scene because she was stuck outside. Right. And then they have her draw a portrait of a diagram of the building and like which window was lit up and which ha- where the hand was and uh, how where the people were located. Um, you know, on yes, the yes, where people were standing when they were all grouped up outside. And they all look at it and they go, aha, and Kinta and Cosmo run up and they also have figured out who did it. They also serve the murder off, sc- the murder off screen. Uh, Perfect. Well, you have to solve it off screen because they can't tell anyone about it until right. all of the suspects are gathered together. Yes, which we do now. We gathered them all together and boy, oh boy, we, we break the record with a, uh, a staggering five now, hints. Now, I do want to point out who's left. So we have our five characters who have solved the murder. Mm-hmm. So the, there, And three people have been murdered. So there are five people that they bring to do the deduction. It's Don, Katagiri, the other teacher, Maki, the other other teacher, and then the two living class A mates. Magic boy and novel girl. So those are the people who are alive who could possibly be the murderer, unless it's one of our class Q heroes. Right. There are five hints. Yes, there are five hints. Hinto wa itsutsu. Ichi. Now, that's hard to say. Itsutsu. It's hard at, to say. At first, there were only <laughs> ever two hints, and we became convinced that his catchphrase was specifically two hints. Yes. But clearly, in a murder like this one, two hints would just not cut it. Yep, we got a, a record-shattering five hints. And our five hints are... The circumstances of Godasan's corpse, which was found in that the the room where the the hand was leaning out the window and then disappeared. Right, so 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 specifically it was that the hand was being dragged into the window for some reason, but then when they opened yeah. the crime scene, it wasn't by the window, it was up against the wall. Right. So the second one is the footprints. The third hint is the condition of Saraburamaro-san's corpse. The fourth one is the handkerchief they found on the floor. And the fifth hint is the positions of the three portraits. Q declares that there's only one answer. And then we start going into all this detail about hint by hint. Um, and actually, they're going to solve the murder after two hints. And then the other three hints are just like... They're extraneous. They're extraneous. So maybe there's two hints. Yeah, maybe they could have just done They could have done two hints. They could have done two hints. <laughs> so, Paolo, what you were saying is exactly what they talk about. Uh, and, and Ryu draws us a cute drawing. The arm 
went in through the window, but it wasn't found near the window. Oh, th- that's a really creepy drawing where they show how someone pulled it on a string yeah. from downstairs. He just draws this cute little severed arm. Which, what kind of string do they have? Is it like fishing wire or something? It's, yeah, it's the, detective anime. You can't see it unless you're looking for it. Magic string. Yes. So that's how someone, that, that's how the arm was able to disappear from the window while all the suspects were down there staring up at the window. But they should have found it by the window and they don't, like you said. And the reason for that is because the arm that was sticking out of the window was actually Saburo Maru's missing arm. Ah, the missing half of Saburo Maru. That's, a, that's an anime in of itself. And not the arm of the corpse. But why wasn't it found? Because the window that they saw outside was not the same of the room that they went into. It was a trick with the footprints to get them to go into a different room where the other body was found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely like a blink and you miss it where you probably, if you had probably, uh, you know, freeze-framed it and counted the number of, of doors and the number of windows from the outside, you probably could have found come to this conclusion. But, you know, again, I think this goes back to Magic Boy, right? Magic is all about misdirection. So, you know, yeah. this is, you know, you, you're, you're going so fast that the, the super important detail gets glossed over. Yes. But the, the big point is that the murderer specifically kept Megu from coming inside because she would, with her photographic memory, would have instantly noticed that they were going into the wrong room. Exactly. So now we look at hint two, the abnormal footprints, which they demonstrate by uh, having Yukina walk up the stairs. And he's like, stop. And it points out that when you walk up the stairs, you don't put your whole foot flatly on the step. Because that would be weird. Uh, you usually are kind of more over the edge, so you would only make half a footprint. But there are full footprints on each of these stairs. And that convinces him that someone made the footprints with their hand in muddy shoes. And they don't know how to actually walk anymore. And it's, uh, and it's someone who doesn't Who know doesn't how remember how walking works? Oh, I hated this part so much. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're turning red. <laughs> You're so- I've been holding it in for the past few minutes. I really dislike the tr- a few things about this deduction. Yes. Well, so they've come to the conclusion that Don Sensei <gasps> has been killing his own students? Don or, Sensei! Or, or something like that. Wow, I shouted that so loud. He's been killing his own students? Gasp! Gasp. He was the one who told Megu to be outside. But what's his motive? Why would he possibly kill his students? And he basically goes all Dumbledore and Goblet of Fire like, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Oh, Q, what is my motive? What is my motive? Yes, uh, as we've discussed, Don is exactly a Professor X plus Dumbledore type. Right. You see it in how he puts his students into into danger. And we will get to the end of the episode was like 100% Professor X for me. Yes. Why would he kill his students? Well, then they're interrupted. They're interrupted oh, because... Yeah. <gasps> Kint has been murdered by Jack the Ripper. Kint has been murdered! Flash! 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 They Dramatic into, flash! There were only supposed to be three murders. What happened to the... Why is there a fourth? So they go into the room. They find Kinta's head uh, and his, uh, his body and the other pieces are all around the room. But then he opens his eyes. <gasps> and He's... he stands up out of the bed. He wasn't actually murdered. It's fine. He's fine. It's all a trick. And he pulls, like, the hands out of the wall, and it's Saburo Maru, alive and and intact. And he pulls the body apart. It's one of the other people. And he, like, pulls the bottom half of the torso out of the wall. It's the third 
murder victim. I'm sure everyone was glad to see Saburo Maru safe and sound. So here we are. We'll explain it a little better because they continue to explain it. But basically, nobody was murdered. It was all just a trick to uh, set up a murder that they could solve. Yes. All this negligence has actually just been a trick. They've not been in trouble. Dan knew they weren't in trouble. Everything's fine. It's just psychological trauma. It's, yeah, right. just your just your helping of, of, of psychological scarring trauma that will haunt them for the rest of their lives. That, you know, you know that feeling of, like, when your classmates continue to die and you're helpless to stop them and you just feel personally culpable for all of your high school classmates that are falling victim to a murderer around you and how that doesn't screw you up as you develop into a fully grown adult? Yes, and then the perfect moment where you just find out, it's just a pop quiz. They're alive. It's fine. Surely everyone will hate Don from now on? Nope. Probably, probably not. not. But, so, like, yeah, the other clues that they had was the condition of Sabumaru's body, uh, which I thought was just the animators being too lazy, slash the sensors getting to them to not being able to sew the gore. But no, it was just him lying with his body half underground uh, on a tatami mat, yes. basically. There's a picture of the cut into the floor, like a perfect half of Saburomaru's body size so that he could lay sideways and half of him would be above ground and half of him would be below. Yes, and there's one more uh, explanation of one of the slightly less useful hints. The the low hanging, the portraits that are hanging low on the wall, well, they're low so that someone in a wheelchair can slash them, which right. is which is annoying to me on several accounts. Like, first of all, Don could have anybody slash the <laughs> portraits. He doesn't have to do it himself. Second of all, like, handicap accessible portraits combined with, like, I forget how walking works, so I did the footprints. It's so it's so ableist. Like I, it really kind of ticked me off a little bit. If he really wanted to, he <laughs> could have made the slash marks on a portrait at regular portrait level. Right. And then the other clues were the handkerchief that they found was actually Sabumamaru's uh, handkerchief with the Tokyo University logo, which he keeps on bragging about. Um, I think this is a yes. oh, yes. this is a cultural one that you, unless you were from Japan and know the logo of Tokyo University, you wouldn't get this one. Absolutely right. not. But we do know him to be the Tokyo University accepted student, so that's what we know about him. But what's funny here is that uh, Kazuma and Kinta, despite having declared they solved the mystery off screen, they actually just found the other... The people who were murdered just alive. Yeah. They, they followed the, the handkerchief and Kinta locked onto the smell of his cologne. And they were like, oh, found you. So they didn't really solve the murder. They just got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> found the living actors. And then, I was, and then they also, you know, Kinta, you know, his his bloodhound nose, you know, apparently smelled perfume or smelled Sabumaru's uh, cologne at the, I believe, second murder crime scene where he was playing the hands uh, or the torso. Yes. Um, There's some... There's some great shots of, like, how the bodies were created to look like pieces because Don prepared the, the school in advance and cut appropriate holes in the wall so that they could, like, stick their hand through here or stick their body through there. Which is kind of silly because we, in one of the earlier episodes, went on, on and on about this very realistic-looking corpse doll they had. They could have just thrown some body parts around that were yeah, costume parts. Body parts. Yeah. We didn't have to have people silly crawling yeah. into walls, but that's what we did. This is where also the band-aid's hand on glasses woman uh, comes since she actually injured herself making those holes. Yeah. We're going to have our scene here that's going to wrap everything up. We need to learn the true secret about Class Q. They're like, why did you stage this for us? And Class A was doing the test because they didn't get to do the murder test. Only we did. Right. Which incidentally sort of puts in a broader picture why class a has been pissed off at class q this entire time because of the nonsense they were having to put up with to to 
essentially play actors for somebody else's test. Like, their frustration now makes sense, and their being dickholes kind of makes sense. Let's do it. Let's talk about Class Q. What does the Q stand for? Qualified. It stands for qualified. <laughs> um, they say it correctly, but the English text that they display on screen is spelled Q-U-A-R-I-F-I-E-D. Yeah, it's something about the the, the syllables for or the, the letter yeah. for L and R being the same in Japanese. Yes. But they use the word correctly, you know. Class Q are the ones qualified to take over for Don after he's gone. Great. That's why they're called Class Q. Yeah. Not after the character who is named Q. Yeah. It's a little better than Professor Xavier naming his X-Men the X-Men. Is it? Because Is it better? Because his his initial is X. He's just chosen another letter. Well, um, Class you, D would have been disappointing because they already have classes A, B, and C. So D would have just been like... Yeah. We're just the next ones. That being said, Class A got wrecked because basically Dan's like, yeah, like I'm here to basically just give all my love and attention to Class Q. Class A get wrecked. You basically are like my props to, you know, sour my attention on, 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 in, in, to conduct psychological trauma, both on you and on, you know, these little twerps. He tries to say nice things about them. He's basically like your understudies for Class Q. If any of them get kicked out, like you're good enough to I mean, replace he's them. He's saying it like he's explaining something logical but it is pretty rude like that's literally what he says rude yeah but salt in the wound good news everybody ryu is joining class q yeah he announces the members of class q which is the people that we already know are in class q plus ryu who conveniently was able to take the entrance exam in new york and is now a member of the class and now we have a fun jumping and running and sunshiny montage yeah they all have fun together anything uh that you all noticed at the end of the episode uh, well, we did have the post credit scene where we just saw some silly little nonsense further about uh, Class A playing the body parts. That's oh, all. Oh, yeah. Maybe I didn't watch. I, I will just say in general, right, like this is definitely one I think that translates more, like you said earlier, on manga where you can like go back and look over the details and try to find the clues. Whereas here, the blink and you miss it nature, like, yeah, they're all technically, the clues are all technically there. You just have to like really be paying attention. I think like, you know, going in knowing that you know, the animators are going to put in cuts that are specifically to give you clues. If you see a cut that's like out of the ordinary, like why are you panning to this random scene? There's probably something in that random cut um, that that's important to pay attention to. Yeah, I've never in my time watching detective anime really like, you know, sometimes I'll more try to solve it than others, but I've never really been like, this is very solvable and I'm going to solve it. I would say I, I've heard, I've heard that case closed tends to be like a lot more geared toward making it like trying to be solved basically like that's the whole point and why it's so popular maybe sometimes maybe sometimes so Paolo I'm assuming so it sounds like your your siblings had watched this anime before. yeah I actually haven't I, I asked them about it and and they told me they had watched it I don't I I, I didn't ask him about like any solutions or anything I I believe it's yeah. probably like you know later episodes just because like they were in the Philippines for a summer like this was just what they would watch on TV basically. Yeah, makes sense. I would be really frustrated watching this in reruns on TV because, like, what if you get the middle, like, what if you got the middle two episodes of this case and that was all they showed on TV that day? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, when I was growing up in the Philippines, right, like, I, the first anime I watched were dubbed in Tagalog. I didn't speak Tagalog at the time. So I was just, like, really confused what was going on. All I know is that there were giant robots punching each other. So that was pretty cool. And then, when Naruto came out, and then I was in the Philippines for summer, um, it was during the Chunin exam arc, 
Um, but again, it was in Tagalog. And I was like, why are the two girls who both have the hidden leaf symbol on their headbands fighting each other? I'm really confused what's going on. So, but yeah, I mean, it's better than... So, like, fun fact, Yu Yu Hakuso was originally supposed to be a detective anime, right? Like, it was originally called uh, Yu Yu Hakuso Spirit Detective. Um, obviously, that got changed for a, a battle sonen anime arc. But fun fact, in the Yu Yu Hakuso Filipino-English dub... Um, I believe Karama was originally voiced as a female because they didn't know that he was actually a male. Um, and then later on, huh. they basically changed his voice back uh, to a male and say, oh, yeah, he was undercover as a female for the first couple of episodes he appeared. Okay, so what I'm going to do here is and Noah can decide to cut it out if he wants to. But so I now have a working theory about Ryu and this, it actually plays into the, what you were just talking about a little bit. So earlier in the podcast, I was very... Uh, confused about who this body was in the opening theme song that has a like a tats a planetary tattoo yeah on their chest but it's like a pretty female body like it looks like it probably has breasts is it you but like could ryu be someone from megu's past that's actually a female and that's why she recognizes him but doesn't recognize him i hope not he's so pretty (laughs) they talk about how pretty he is all the time yeah i hope we can move past some of these basic gender swap yeah plot lines although this was made in 2003 so uh it's pretty inescapable paolo how does like uh how how much did you enjoy watching this detective anime is not so much your thing uh how does it compare to other things you've seen i think one it kind of is just a product of its time right like the the animation isn't you know as developed um the soundtrack's pretty good you know and i think there is something to the writing and i i did appreciate i think like the the butterball solution to like the, the problem um and i and Technically, you know, while some of the clues were kind of like, you know, the clone in the air, we wouldn't be able to find out. I think on the scale of perfectly solvable, right, like a fair case that we as the audience could solve to, you know, Sherlock Holmes bullshit, you know, of, of, of information that only he knows that we are not privy to until he reveals it. Um, you know, I think it's probably from a scale of one to ten, ten being, being Sherlock. This is probably somewhere around the six and seven range of things, which I think like the writing of the, the cases is okay enough um it's it's just more i think a product of its time than anything else yeah this isn't the best murder they've done but it's not the worst murder they've done Well, also nobody got murdered this time that's true nobody got murdered it's a bit of uh um it was all but a dream solution which always feels a little cheap if if i can if i can i think i'll say that you know psychological trauma I think what I would like if I were on my podcast kind of reviewing this show on whether or not you know let's say this was all somehow the first episode that I ended up watching or whatever um, I probably wouldn't go on to episode three from here to be to be honest just because like I think yeah at least in today's anime you know today's current seasonal shows there's just a ton out there maybe in 2003 there just wasn't as much competition and this would be something that I would continue watching um I would probably give it mm, two out of five uh, rat-eaten flower butterballs with the keys inside. Nice. Yeah, they only ended up making 46 episodes. I don't know how much that compares to how much manga there was. I think they played out the entire manga's storyline. So one of the reasons we're tackling it is because, you know, Detective Conan has a thousand plus episodes and this is manageable to to do first. yeah, it's it's fun to jump in and uh, have you in here who's seen lots of anime, but not a lot of detective anime. Um, I do want to hit an audience email question. We 
we sort of talked about this a little earlier in the episode because, Paolo, you brought this up unprompted, but this is the question that I have uh, set aside for today. If you have questions, comments, thoughts that you want to share, email us at dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com or leave us comments on social media, um, reviews on our podcasting sites as well. But don't so, send us recipes for butterballs. It's just butter and flour. It's butter and flour. And, and a key. I can do the vegan version already. Uh, so this question, uh, again, comes from Nate, and he wanted to know our thoughts on whether or not Scooby-Doo is comparable to a detective anime. <sighs> yes? <laughs> I'm just going to say yes. So I think I think Scooby-Doo, like, I, I, let's say let's say the first, you know, the Scooby-Doo, where are you, right? Like, not any, like, not the, the latest right, the spin-offs. I think that's... I think that's on, on I would call it a, a detective anime or I guess animation. Sure. And in terms of like how I would say that a talking dog is pretty comparable to a teenage detective who gets turned into a child detective in terms of silliness level. So if you took like the silliest episodes of Detective Conan and depicted them using the same 20 or so frames of animation for most of it. You basically have Scooby-Doo. All I'm saying is if we get a modern anime adaptation of Scooby-Doo. We will watch it on this podcast. We will watch the hell out of it on this podcast. Noah, Noah, there's steam coming out of your ears. What's happening? You're so excited. Calm down. It doesn't exist. Well, this isn't a this isn't a uh, Scooby Doo anime, but uh, apparently I was doing some research on anime adaptations of Sherlock Holmes. Um, apparently, there's a uh, TV series from I think the 70s uh, called Sherlock Hound, um, and actually the first couple of episodes were directed by Hayao Miyazaki. I have heard of Sherlock Hound, and I've never seen it before. We will absolutely have to check it out at some point. And here's a random fact. Of all the weird uh, American, uh, you know, entertainment to get adapted into anime, there is a season of Supernatural, the anime. That's what I didn't know. Just a fun fact. That is a fun fact. So random. And, of course, uh, Supernatural has a crossover episode with Scooby-Doo. Which is they fantastic. Did. It's we're almost there. We're we're one Kevin Bacon away we're from. So close. We're so close. So while we are sure out of time, thank you for sticking with us through this long murder. That was I'm sorry. We we told you it was a four episode murder mystery. We knew there were no murders. We I feel really guilty. I feel like we've lied. We just we spent lying. an hour lying to people. We were going on and on about the negligence, but we knew that there was no negligence. They, they murdered the innocence of these children. No, it was still negligent. It was still dangerous. But in all kinds of different ways. And that's something I didn't say. But at the very end, Don is like, I want to prepare you to be the next whatever. And that's what Professor X does. He forces these children to be soldiers. We also do see like a bit of like what happened, like Dan's dreams for these kids. And like he, we see him picturing like a high school student in a high school uniform, like rolling in the way of gunfire. And he's like, yeah. Is it going to be like a team of them all going to su- uh, succeed them, or is it only one of Detective School Q? Which means there's going to be like battle within Class Q, like who will be the ultimate success? Oh my God, for. Can, can we get a tournament arc where they're all fighting each right. other to be the new Don? Which, I, want I mean, it. like if it's, if each of them have their own ways of how like my way, like my ninja way of becoming a detective or whatever, right? Like Q and Rio are basically the same person. They're like, oh, we'll, we deduce things, you know, like the Sherlock Holmes, like remove the impossible, and what's left must be fact. 
Michael, what was that look you just had on your face? Oh, well, while you were talking about Ryu, I was thinking about all the times that Q was getting blushy around him, and it just further cemented my, is Ryu really a girl theory? That's such an anime thing. It's such an anime thing. How could a boy be attracted to another boy? How could it happen? I mean, there's specific anime for that. None of them seem to be detective series. (laughs) I mean, Evangelion has a whole thing, spoilers, Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, so funny funny fact about that. I was at the uh, the dub premiere for the second uh, second yes the second Evangelion uh, remake movie where uh, Shinji and what's, what's his name yes Kaoru do their piano moment like and there's rainbows everywhere and it's very gay and everybody burst out laughing and that dub was the director prevented it from being released on disc for years until they redid it because he was certain the dub made us laugh and it was not his weird super gay animation he didn't understand what was so gay oh, about man. it and why it was i funny. mean there's so they no had idea. they had sex on a piano no 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 they were playing a piano what together. else are pianos for there were rainbows <laughs> flying everywhere like literally i'm not making this up they were like they were being beautiful bishonens and playing a piano and rainbows were flying everywhere and everybody laughed and the director was furious for years. He was like, you have to redo the dub. You cannot release it on DVD, even though you just premiered it, because you messed it up. That he did not want to believe that it was what we saw that was funny and not what was said. Great. So, we are more than out of time. Uh, so, Paolo, is there anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, so, I, as noted at the top of the show, I host the Yet Another Anime Podcast. I am Yet your, yet Another Anime Podcast host, um, part of the Ninja Boy Media Network. Um, we come out on the first and third Fridays of each month. I have other shows, but I'll just stick to the anime one for, for here. Um, I go over, you know, generally, generally recommendations. I'll do, you know, uh, I, I, I watch at least the first episode of every anime coming out each season, and then, you know, figure out which ones I want to stick with on episodes between the first and last of each season. I'll kind of go in depth and give recommendations on anime. Either I'll look at one specific director, go deep dive into one series, go, you know, the individual studios and look at all of their works. Um, Just kind of of give give you a feel of like what anime is out there. And if you like this, maybe you'll like something like this. I think like for upcoming seasons, you know, there's been a lot of good detective anime actually in recent seasons. Um, Id Invaded, um, Gleipnir is a good mystery series. Um, this One of the COVID-delayed series is uh, uh, Millionaire Detective Balance Unlimited, um, which is coming back for the summer season. Um, last season, there was a Woodpecker's Detective Agency. Um, next season, yeah. there's, there was Ikebukuro Westgate Park. Um, and I believe in the fall 2020, they're doing an adaptation of Moriarty, uh, Moriarty the Patriot, where him and Sherlock are roommates or something living in, in Tokyo, I think. Huh. Woodpecker's Detective Agency is another anime that I don't know if it knows how gay it is. Oh, is I think it knows. Yeah. Okay. It, it's it's definitely <laughs> definitely knows how 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 it is. So, yeah, I I really liked your episode where you covered the spring anime and had seen you know pretty much every uh, at least one episode of all the new anime coming out for someone that's maybe interested in watching some new uh, outcoming anime like. Listen to Paolo. He'll watch the first episode of everything for you and tell you yeah, about I it. Yeah, I watch all the anime, so you don't have to. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we're all about. So our next episode, we are going to be covering a three-episode murder arc, so it won't be quite as long or exhaustive as this one. Uh, tw- episodes 12 to 14 of Detective Academy Q. Uh, from the preview, it looks like they're going to go to a seance. There's an impossible murder there. Q's mom and her apron also make a return appearance. I'm excited for that. Hot mom? 
she's t- she's tired, Michael. She's tired, she's but, too, she's, but she's, tired. she's hot. At least he's better than so most. At least he's, he's better off than most anime moms who usually end up dead. Oh, it could. Well, the, the father might be. Oh, we don't God. actually know yet. So keep listening to our podcast. We love having you join us for this. You can find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. Wherever you got this podcast, subscribe and review us. Um, and send us send us that email at diagmessagepodcast at gmail.com. We will read your your business on the air and share that with everyone. So now we're just about ready to wrap up. Um, Paolo, I forgot to ask. Can you tell us how you solved the mystery of good carbonara? Yeah, so I was making carbonara uh, in a skillet, actually. I cooked my pasta in a skillet as opposed to a deep bowl. So when I salted my pasta, it actually ended up being too salty because the pancetta and the cheese that I used would mix with this, the water in the pasta water um, and end up, you know, uh, making it too salty. So I just reduced the amount of salt I put in my pasta water and just relied on the salt in the cheese and the pancetta. Um, turn off the heat as soon as you uh, add the pasta to the uh, sauce um, and then just mix it from there. And you should have some pretty good carbonara from there. So yeah. And how well does this go with the side of just a a ball of butter and flour. Um, well, I mean, isn't that what pasta's made out of anyway? But you know, I think you you probably want to ease up on that for the sake of your your heart. <laughs> Thanks, Paolo. And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode 7, in which the letter Q has a hidden meaning. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Paolo Batista. Coming up, what will happen when we invite two mystery guests at the same time? If a murder happens in complete darkness, does it make a sound? Is Q capable of empathy? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note. The dying message. Hey, Michael. Mm-hmm. Come here for a second. Why? Can, can you just say something amusing? I didn't find anything to put at the end of the podcast. Anything. Just anything amusing that I can put at the end of the podcast. You say amusing things all the time. Are you recording right now? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Thank you. I'll I'll make that work.